everybody feeling right now? Uh, everyone can hear me pretty good? Ooh, that delay. Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> but um, like Pierre said, right, we came from uh, up there in Denver, Colorado, and we came from this uh, great conference, which to me was obviously, which to me personally was the best conference i ever been to before. And it just really, a lot of things stood out to me, and there was a lot of great classes, and they have it online for if anyone would ever wants to check it out and listen to. But what stood out to me and what brought me down to what we can pass down as a family of believers, it was more of a conversation I had because there as well, Reese and I, we got time to connect with a lot of youth leaders around the, around the nation. And there's one couple, uh, John and Carol Glinsky, uh, youth leaders up there in the Austin ministry, they uh, sat down and then John was teaching me something about principles and practicals and the difference between that, having principles over practicals. And that stood out to me so much. Uh, just about how something so simplistic really has been missed, I feel, a lot when it comes to passing it down from generation to generation. And you may be asking, okay, what's practical and what's principle? And so uh, let me show you this uh, example from my life to sort of bring it to light, right? Uh, so the setting is uh, year 2000, and, uh, you know, way back, and I don't know, that's probably before all y'all days and stuff. Back then we didn't have DVDs. We had this thing called uh, VCRs. Um, and so with VCRs, you know, when something was going on, you had to, you know, reround it and stuff like that and, you know, put it in. Sometimes it's messing up, blow it like it's actually going to do something, but it doesn't. And, uh, the setting was, it was, it was nighttime. My, my dad was, uh, dressed like in a, a white tee on, some shorts, like fresh 15 years out of prison or whatever. Um, uh, like, uh, mom was coming back from her, from work at the dialysis center Christian was barely born, so just crawling around in his diaper, and um, I was there dressed as Jamal Mahan, and, <laughs> and so the, the thing with the VCR, right, so the thing was, that before I was going to bed, I was getting ready to watch this movie that I love to watch all the time, like, it's one of the only movies I ever watched over and over, uh, really an Oscar-worthy movie, if I say so myself, uh, didn't get it, but uh, it is what it is, and the movie was uh, Dragon Ball Z, The Father of Bardock, uh, <laughs> And if anyone knows anything about Dragon Ball Z, that's the movie right there. Because if you ever heard about Goku, this is the man that birthed Goku, right? So you want to know, you, you're trying to figure out who's this man that could birth such a great man as him. So the thing is, though, with, this, with the movie, I would pop it in like I normally do. But then for some reason, when I popped it into the VCR, the, the TV just went static. And I'm just like, uh, okay. My parents are on around. I'm like, I hope I didn't break it. Uh, no, I've been popping the movie. I do what I normally do. So then I take it out and everything, and then I, like, you know, blow on it, try to rewind it and all that. And I put it back in. It still does a static thing. And then my dad comes in like, what's going on? What are you doing to our VCR, boy? I'm like, I just popped in the movie like I normally do and everything. He's like, no, no, this movie is messing up the VCR and everything. And I'm just like, no, it's not. How can it be? I pop this movie in every time on a daily. Like, it's never done. There's something else. He's like, no, no, I want to hear it. My dad's like, Chris, Chris, calm down, calm down. And he's like, no. So he grabs the movie. He ejects the movie out, takes the movie, and breaks it over his knee <laughs> in half. And I just sit there, dreams broken, <laughs> finding out what is life now, just... Just in, just in awe, just in dead silence, just about what this man had did to this golden nugget of mine. Uh, and I just asked, why did you do that? Like, what was the reason behind that? It's like, because I said so, boy, now go to your room and go to sleep. Uh, 
And to this day, he has yet to explain why he broke my movie. Mm, to this day. And so that's what a practical is. You, get, you tell somebody something, but you don't give the reason behind it. The principal would have been if he would have gave me a reason why this movie had to be sent to his grave so early. And so that's what I want us to look at today is principle over practical. What are we passing down exactly? Are we passing down principle from our, to generation to generation? Or are we passing down just a bunch of practicals? And just so we can look at it, I want to look in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, where we see how principle and practical impacts the very beginning. And it says here in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So the part I like here with this scripture is how God really gives a principle. He allows Adam to see like, hey, you get all these trees to eat a fruit from. All these trees you can freely eat from. Just don't eat from that tree because it's going to kill you. Not because, I don't want, not because I want you to miss out on something, but because that's going to kill you. Like, so just eat freely from all these trees I give you, right? And so it's like, okay, Adam gets it. It's instilled in him, like, okay, I got all these trees. Why would I even care about that tree over there anyway? It, especially if it's going to cause me to die, right? So and the thing is, now with Adam having this information, let's see, how it, let's see how it goes after he hands down this information to Eve and what she does with the information. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not, that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So what I like here first, right, the serpent comes in saying, is it true God said you can't eat from any fruit from these trees? So right there, he's already turned that principle into a practical. He's made it into a rule where God was saying you can eat from any of these trees except that one. And it makes me think about how Satan gets into our minds. An example would be, hey, it's probably best for you to stop going to wild parties. Oh, so I guess I can't go to any party now, right? Or, hey, maybe it's best for you to stop talking to these type of people when it comes to your relationships. Oh, so I guess I can't have any relationships with people outside of church, right? How we always misconstrue something that God says and turn it into just a rule. We turn it into this practical and then we pass it down. But then also what I like this, what I notice here is that Eve adds on to what was told to Adam. God just said don't eat it. He didn't say nothing about touching it. Now, the thing is, it's probably good that you don't touch it. I mean, if it's going to kill you from eating it, why bother even touching it, right? But what the serpent has done now is he's made Eve focus solely on the practical. She was talking about the trees that they can eat, but now she's only focused on what she can't eat. That's all she's focused on. She forgot the principle of what benefits her. God was trying to steer her away from death and only bring her to things that benefit her. And the thing is, I wonder when we, ta when we teach people, do all we only focus on is what they can't touch, what they can't do what they can't do, or what they can't do or what they can't go to? Do we ever share the principle or the heart behind why God instills this in us? And the thing is, if we just pass it down from generation to generation, just a bunch of rules, that's all they're going to know is just a bunch of practicals. And all they're going to see is a God full of rules, a God that they feel that doesn't really love them, a God that doesn't understand them, a God that doesn't want nothing to do with them. 
And that's not how God ever intended his word to be, how to be conveyed. And that's what I want to ask is, man, I wonder how did Adam exactly pass down the information to Eve? Did he just say exactly word for word what God told him? Or did he just add on extra? Did he tack on extra practicals? Because can't we do that so many times with things? It's like, hey, this is what God commands us to do, but also A, B, C, D, and E, right? We focus on so many extra things to make people prove their salvation to us before proving their salvation to God. And that's why I want to ask is, man, when we ask people to follow, are we asking them to follow a bunch of rules or are we asking them to follow God? Because if we ask them to follow rules all day, they're only going to be only instilled with what we taught them and not what God taught them. And then when God finally commands them to do something, they're going to be acting like, what is this? And an example that I want to see, and an example that really shows that to me where when you, when you allow practicals to be your God instead of rules is in Luke 18. <laughs> How's everyone doing out there? Good? All right. In Luke 18, verses 18 through 23, it says, Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer and said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. And I like to focus on the difference between the rich, the rich young ruler and Jesus here. The rich young ruler was satisfied with his checklist, right? Like, hey, I got all. He's like, where's it at? But, God, but Jesus, he's like, that's not what I'm about. I want to look at the heart. I want to give you the principle behind what you're doing, what you're doing, if you're following these Ten Commandments. And then when he finally instilled it with something that God really wants the rich man to do, as it says, he walks away sad, right? Because all he was ever caught up was the rules that justified his actions. The rules that he was okay with holding to was, oh, these rules aren't hard to do. I cannot commit adultery. It's hard. I don't want to murder nobody or anything like that. Well, how about you go sell your, how about you sell everything you have? And then he got to the heart of it and we saw where he was really at. And I wonder, do we do the same with people? Do all we ever do is instill a bunch of commands for them just so they can make it in our ministry, right? Like, have you ever heard that? Like, well, I don't know how this person's going to do if we let him go to this other ministry. He's doing good in ours and we don't want to let him go. Is that what's taught in the Bible? Like, they, this man only stays where we need them to stay so they can do good in our ministry so we can look good? If we're really trying to strengthen the whole body of Christ, the whole family of believers, we're trying to strengthen them across the board so they can go to any ministry out there. there and that's what we have to ask ourselves is the people you're with, and I'm not saying there's something wrong with teaching a practical, but if you're not giving a heart behind it, and all they ever do is they run to you for guidance all the time and not the word, have you really made Jesus their Lord? And that's what, I, that's what I took from when I was talking with John and Carol. It's just like, man, we can't be just trying to instill a bunch of commands and rules of people to follow us. And the thing is, we think we're helping them to follow God, but they're only following what we say. Because I don't know about you, like, I hate to hear when someone says, oh, well, Jamal said that I need to do it like this. And it's like, no, no, Jamal's not telling you to do it like this. I'm trying to show you what the Bible is saying to do, how the Bible does it. And do we even focus on the benefits as well? Because I think about repentance, and I'm guilty of it myself. When it comes to repentance, I'm like, hey, you need to cut this off, cut this off, cut this off, cut this off, and then we'll, we'll see about baptizing you, right? But do I ever focus on how Jesus and them delivered repentance? 
they never delivered repentance as a burden. It was something that it was something that lifted off burdens. It was something as they put in Acts three nineteen, a times of refreshing, right? And the thing is, do we instill that? Do we let people see the benefit? Like, hey, when you repent from these sins, look what you gain. Because if all we ever focus on what you lose, that's all they're going to be focused on is what they lost, and never even focus on what they gained. And that's what we have to ask: Is that what we're passing down to the, to our next generation? Do we instill them to see what they gain from following Christ? Do, we let, do you pass down to your kids what they gain from following the rules that you instill with them? Or do all they hear is go, go, go wash your dishes? Do all they hear from the campus leaders go reach out to 50 people today? Do all they hear from somebody in their singles ministry is how you reach out to somebody in your local grocery store at your job today? Is there a heart behind what they're doing or are they just following our commands? And that's what I'm trying to instill here. And that's what I see when it comes to practicals over, when it comes to principles over practicals. We have to get back to the principle of God's heart. We have to get back to the principle of his word. Because if we don't, here's an example of what we're doomed to do if we, all we ever do is instill practicals. And it's in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And, it's, and it says, After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. I don't know about you, but... Anytime I read that passage, that's a, a sobering passage. Like a whole generation that doesn't know anything about God. They don't know what he did or anything really about him. And the thing is, we can look at that generation and be like, well, I mean, we're not as bad as that generation that came probably before them. I don't know if y'all know this, but the generation that was before them was Joshua's generation. Joshua has a whole book in the Bible, guys. Like he's not just some slouch. Like he has a whole book in the Bible. Like He's a well-known leader. He's the one that led, who finished leading the Israelites to the promised land. And you're telling me that his generation was not able to instill the next generation of what they needed to do. And it makes me wonder what was going on with the people that were hearing Joshua. Did they hear everything Joshua was saying about that God was causing all of this? Or, or did they just think Joshua was the one doing all of this? When they, marched around, when they marched around Jericho, did they just think, oh, this is Joshua's doing? Or did they think, oh, this is what God is doing? Because it's starting to show with the, with the next generation below them what their priorities were. And that's what I'm asking you. Even something to ask yourself, parents, is what are you passing on to your kids? You want your kids to be a disciple, but what do they see you make priorities back when they were young? Did you make sports a priority for them, or did they see that you made God a priority? You know, when, they see you, when, you, when you're asking them to do something, do you back it up with Christian teachings, or is it just mom and dad's teachings? You know, do you give a reason behind what you're doing? Not just your reason, do you give God's reasoning behind what you teach? And that's not just for the parents, but it's for us all when we teach young disciples or, new to, or anything. Are we instilling them with these beliefs from God? When we're telling people to evangelize, when we're telling people to be connected with the body, is it just come to these church events? Because if so, what, what we do with these practical when it comes to events is, okay, I came to four events, so I can miss this one. No, that's a practical now. That's a rule. The principle would be that God wants us to be together to strengthen and be unified with each other. It's to be giving. It's not just to come to a church event because someone said so. It's for an opportunity to build our relationships with each other. That's the heart behind what God wants us to do. And so that's what I'm asking is, man, we can't keep teaching practicals. We have to teach the principle behind God's heart. We have to reveal God's heart to people. Because if we don't, they're going to be just like the rich young ruler. They're going to finally be hit with something, and they're going to walk away sad. Because their heart was never with God from the beginning. Their heart was just with a bunch of rules. And so here I want to close with two principles to close out my point here. 
<laughs> and it's in Joel chapter 1, verse 3. The first principle with this. In Joel chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. Right? And, it's t- and God's commanding here, he's telling Joel to tell these people, you got to tell people about me. You got to let people know my heart. You got to let people know everything that I've done. Because if they're not going to follow me, if they don't know of what I've done. We can't keep talking about what we've done. We have to instill what God has done. For people to really want to follow him and see him for what he is, they have to see the things that he's ac- accomplished. We can't say like, well, this is what I've accomplished in my life, and then we add on God. No, this is what God has accomplished through using me. This is what God has done using all of us. And if we want to instill that to the next generation, we have to keep telling them. And the thing is, in your household, are you making sure your kids know? Do they know the stories of what God has done? Do they know what he's done for the Israelites? Or is it the first time they're hearing about God and Jesus when they come to class with me? You know, is that the first time they, they find, when I come to them, like, oh, so you know the parable of the four souls? Actually, this is my first time hearing it. And they're 15 years old. And it's like, man, what's being passed down? Is it being instilled in them to really know the word of God? Is it really being instilled with the people in the campus, the singles and the marrieds? Is that what you're doing? I, and that's the thing even with, in, in the singles, in the campus, in the marrieds, we all get on this evangelism high, right? That's like, I'm ready to do it. Hey, this is what I was told to do, right? But it's like, well, that's how we look at it. This is what I was told to do. And then we wonder why our evangelism falls off for some reason. Why we start losing that heart all of a sudden. Because it was always a practical. It wasn't a principle. It wasn't we didn't look at it like, man, I'm sold out for God's kingdom, and I want to see other people saved as I was saved. And that's what I want to ask even then is just like, man, what are, are you, would you be considered saved? Because the rich young ruler, he wasn't considered saved, and he did all, he followed all ten commandments. I don't think none of us here can even claim that we did the ten commandments, we followed all ten commandments, right? It's that he followed all of them, and he wasn't even considered saved. And so the thing is, would, your, would you really be considered saved at this point? What would, you, what would God look at when he saw your heart? Would he say, you done good, well, well done, good and faithful servant? Or he says, you still, have, you still have one more thing to do, or get away from me, you evildoer. And that's what you have to ask yourself is, have you just been following a bunch of rules? Have you just been using your church attendance, not cussing while you're at church? Um, yeah, not cussing, let me put it, not cussing while you're at church. Or, or, you, or you occasionally talk to people about Jesus when someone else brings it up or something. And you say, well, I should be good. God should be satisfied with me. I should be saved. No, you'll be in the same category the rich young ruler was if that's what, you, if that's what you're banking on to save you. And the other thing I want to, the second principle I want to point out here is in Limitations chapter 3, verse 22 through 23. And it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's the part that stands out to me. They are new every morning. He said God's love, Jeremiah said God's love to him is new every morning. And that's what we have to do if we want to really remind ourselves of God's heart and God's love. We have to refresh ourselves with why we do what we do. Why do you evangelize? Why do you love people? Why do you give? Why do you want to serve the poor? Why do you come to church? You have to refresh yourself every morning with God's love and God's word and in prayer about why we do what we do. And that's what we're going to have to pass down from the next generation if we want to, to keep on going, guys. If we want, because it can't end with us. We can't say, well, at least things went great for me, right? At least my kingdom's good. Because I think about when David and Solomon, when, they, when Solomon heard about, like, God's going to punish him. And what he was worried about was, like, well, will my kingdom still be intact before I die? Will everything be good with me before I die? Whatever happens to them, that's on them. 
are we going to have that type of mindset? Well, as long as my ministry is great, that's on me. No, what you teach in that campus ministry, that singles ministry, that youth and family, that marriage ministry, could have an impact 10 years from now, and you not even be there. Your impact can have that much, what you say can have that much of an impact on the ministry. And guys, if you really want to see the heart behind why we got to look after generations, is in John 17, which we're not going to turn to it, but in John 17, Jesus specifically prays for the future believers. He specifically prays for the next generation. I don't know about y'all, but when's the last time you prayed for the next generation? I, I've never done that. I, like, even, even now, I, I just started doing it yesterday, if you want me to be honest. And because I read John 17, I'm like, oh, man, like, Jesus prayed for new believers. He didn't just pray for the current ones. He said, man, I want this to keep going, for them to be unified as I'm unified with you, God. So I'm praying for them as well. So think about that. Jesus took the time to pray for all of us. That was his heart. Can we imitate that same heart as well and start looking after the next generation as well? Or are we just going to be focused on our own personal ministry and how well it's doing? Or are we going to try to start strengthening our ministry for other reasons? And that's what I want to close out with. And before we take communion, I'm going to pray, pray, for it, pray, for, pray for it as we take care and really examine ourselves in the body of Christ for communion. <clears throat> God, I'd like to just thank you, thank you for another day, God. I just pray, God, that you be with people because obviously there's people in our ministry whose family members have passed, God. I pray for the people out there that's had to deal with the hurricanes out there, God. And I just pray, God, that we really take care when it comes to the family of believers, that we really focus on what you want for it, God, and not what we want for it. That we focus on how we can really make sure that your word is getting passed down from generation to generation and how we can make sure that we're a family and not just being on our own personal island, God. Allow us to take, reflect on your son and how he died for this, God. This is what he died for, for us to be unified with you, God. And really examine the, the pain and torment that he went through on the cross for our sins and died for us even though we didn't deserve it, God. And as always, God, all the glory goes to your son who shed his blood for forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.